there's a difference between experiencing fear and then living in fear. And our friend Katie McCowan just released her new book, She Smiles Without Fear, Proverbs 31 for Every Woman, and it's so good. She unpacks so much wisdom in this episode, and I know you're going to love it. Katie McCowan is the president of She Laughs Ministries. I mean, how awesome is that, P.S.? She's a writer for Proverbs 31 Ministries, and she's a national speaker. And her and her husband, Luke, who's a former NFL quarterback, fun fact, are raising six children amazing on their ranch in Texas. So we're going to just jump into our conversation together and you are going to love it. So let's dig in and I'll share at the end. Okay. Well, Katie, thank you for being with us. This is so much fun. Um, You have been on my heart for a while. We met this summer briefly and you have this new book out. I'm so excited about the message because it's a message that we so badly need And we've always needed it, but of course, right now, even more than ever, and we're feeling the tension of so many unknowns and this message of hope and of peace is really just so needed. So before we kind of get into the book, I'm just curious if you would share with us what you are most afraid of. Are you going to go first? (laughs) I can. I can. You go first. I'm interested to hear what you say. (laughs) No, for people that really know me well, I'm really like deathly afraid of flying actually. Oh, To the point where I've needed like counseling for it. And I've like had to go through like desensitization. (laughs) Wow. I've gotten much better at it. I don't need an oxygen mask anymore. Like I don't need it, you know, so that's good. I've made progress over the years and I now like it does not stop me from going anywhere, but I really have to do some serious self-talk before I get on the the ramp to like get into the plane. Yeah. You know what? If you're afraid of flying the buildup, because you have to get to the airport like an hour before, right? And then you have to sit there and wait. So I can only imagine (laughs) what it's like to have to sit there and wait to board the plane when you're, when you're dreading it. So I can see how the self-talk would be important there. So honestly, I, here's the thing. I mean, I can definitely list some like rodents and serpents and things that I just, I want no part of. I have slept in the middle of my room in a chair because I saw a mouse in the middle of the night. And my husband, I mean, this was years ago. And at the time he had the flu. And so I didn't want to wake him up and be like, there's a mouse. So I just slept in the middle of the room in a chair because in my, in my head, I had somewhere I had believed and adopted the belief that mice stay on the, they stay on the wall because they can't see. So if I was in the middle of the room, I wasn't at risk for it crawling on me. So there's that. Uh, If we're talking about fears that, you know, uh, in all seriousness, I think that my greatest fears, my, my, on, on earth revolve around my children and their future. And, and, um, you know, the thought of them suffering in some way, whether it was suffering because of sin and the consequences of sin or suffering at the hands of injustice or evil, you know, uh, but I think that like in all honesty, my greatest fears are, are going to be tied up there. That's really true. And I'm thinking of, yeah, that's, that's actually, I'm, I think I have a lot of fear around that too, Katie. (laughs) 
as you say that, it's funny. I mean, it's not, but you know, we think about that and my mind is, you know, thinking of the things that I think like when I say I'm afraid of flying and I'm deathly afraid of flying, those are situational yet the fears for our children is more like everyday ongoing. And therefore I probably don't even notice how much I am thinking about that or thinking about the unknown of what their future might be. So that's, that's really true. I think I agree on that note as well. I'm, I'm really interested and I love your new book because I think that one of our challenges today is kind of like as Christian women, we might be believing that we shouldn't have fear at all. Like, you know, I believe in God and I know, and I've heard even that, that statement from women is, you know, I, I know I shouldn't be fearful of this. However, this is truly how I feel or, you know, things like that. And so I would just love for you to speak into that and how your book kind of touches on this topic of, you know, I should, I know I shouldn't fear because I believe in Jesus. And so, you know, just, can you talk into that for us? Right. And I think, you know, the verse that comes to mind is second Timothy one, seven, um, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And so we think about that and we're like, okay, so I haven't been given this spirit, so I'm not supposed to do it. And um, two things come to mind when you bring that up one. And I say this in the Bible study uh, and she smiles without fear that I think that sometimes we treat fear like it's a four letter word, which it is. Right. But you know what I mean? You know, those four letter words, if you're in my generation, I feel like I remember my parents saying that the four letter bad words. And so I think we, we treat fear like that. And it's like, we're not, we're not supposed to. So when we do, we don't talk about it. We don't share um, our hearts with, with our God or with one another in Christian community. And the analogy that I use in the Bible study which I've experienced in my own life is that it's, it's like we just set it aside and yet it doesn't go away. We, we think somehow by saying I'm not supposed to, so I'm not going to think about it, that somehow we've dealt with it and we haven't. So in the Bible study, the analogy that I use is the analogy of a suitcase. And so I'm actually a really great packer. We have moved at least a dozen times since I married my husband, Luke, and he played in the NFL. And so we were in a routine for a while there. We would move every six months. So I became a great packer. I'm a terrible unpacker, but that doesn't have anything to do with this. So I'm a great packer. I can make room for things that you would never think would fit in a suitcase. And that's kind of what we do with our hearts when we don't address our fears. We just try to set them aside or ignore them. It's like we are stuffing them into the crevices of our heart. And instead of them going away, what we do is we actually just make room for more. And I can go back to the year in my life, I mean, I can, I can describe the home that we lived in that year. I can describe the places where I was standing when God was teaching me about fears of the future, about the ways that I had been handling them and, and how it wasn't working. And it, you know, when we think about not addressing them, we're just building them up and creating really more of a stumbling block in our lives. And the idea that we shouldn't fear, I mean, I'm not going, I'm not going to get on anybody and say, don't think like that. But I also think we have to acknowledge that there's plenty to fear and it's not going away. 
we're never going to create an environment on this earth that is corrupt with sin. We're never going to create an environment that is fear free. No matter how much faith we have, no matter how much we believe in who God is, because he is who he is. He is I am. He is all powerful and all knowing and in control of everything. Yes, that is all true. But the Proverbs 31 woman is the subject of the Bible study. And, uh, you know, the, the title, She Smiles Without Fear, comes from Proverbs 31, 25. That says she smiles at the future. And some, some translations say she laughs without fear of the future. But what we talk about in the Bible study is that if you look more at her life, it's really not that different from ours. And I think sometimes we can say, we can look at this passage in scripture like she's some sort of spiritual superhero. And so we just don't have a lot in common with her. And therefore we could never really be like her. Um, But the more you look at her, she has people in her life that she cares about and, and that we can assume she loves. She has plans. She's making plans. She's planting a vineyard and she's thinking about what would come from that. And, and she would have pressures. I mean, it talks about the people that she provides for, the servants and the people that she serves. So we have plans, we have pressures, we have people just like she did. And so I'm convinced that it's not that the Proverbs 31 woman never fears the future. It's that she knows what to do and she knows where to turn when she does. So for us, I would love the shift of not, oh, I'm not supposed to feel that way. So let me ignore it or let me avoid it. And instead, let me acknowledge it. Let me now employ this plan for what to do when I fear. What am I going to do now? Instead of thinking it'll just go away if I don't pay any attention to it. I love that. And I think it's kind of foreign again like this message is like okay well so that's really uncomfortable and I was just talking to someone earlier about this like that feels scary like you know I want to have fun I want to think about happy things so you're telling me that I have to acknowledge this fear that I have that we all have because like you said I mean there there's no way to avoid the reality of our world today and to say that we're not concerned is probably not accurate. And so, okay, so I'm supposed to acknowledge that I'm fearful of these unknowns. Um, what what might that look like for the woman listening to right now who's wondering well, how, what practically can that look like? Um, what would you say to her? Well, what I'd love to say is that the very first place to start, God, I'm scared. The number of times in my own heart and in my own mind, I will stop my thoughts in the middle of the sentence and say, God, I'm scared. And God, I'm scared of, and I'll tell him the worst case scenarios that are playing out in my mind. And it sounds simple, but how often do we really do that? Do we stop ourselves in the middle of the fear and then turn, whether you want to physically kneel if you're in a place where you can, whether you want to physically turn your head to look out the window and gaze at the creation that God has given us um, to display his glory and his splendor and say, God, I'm scared. 
Um, I write about a time that my son was up on a ropes course. You know, those things like up in the air. (laughs) Amanda, you may not get on those things if you're (laughs) afraid of flying, but he was younger than he is now. This was years ago. And so to me, he was still this little boy and he and a few of his siblings and dad, uh, my husband had gone up on the ropes course at the zoo and he's our Uh, our oldest child. And so he was feeling pretty good about it, you know, and he kind of left the group. And from where I was standing, I was still on the ground with our little ones that weren't tall enough to do it. And I heard from the ground, I heard him yell, dad, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. He had gotten away from the group a little further into the ropes course and in, and he was all tied up, you know, he had on the harness and the safety gear and the helmet and he was, he was not going to fall, but he had that moment where he realized how far off of the ground that he was. And I could see him gripping the ropes and all and, and frozen, which sometimes fear will do that to us, right? We'll just freeze in life. And I heard him yell, dad, I'm scared. And from where I was standing, I couldn't do anything to help him. My husband was up on the, on the ropes course with him. And what happened after that is I heard my husband's voice, his dad's voice, say something to the effect of, and I write about this in the Bible study. Luke said, Jonah, I see you. I see you and it's going to be okay. And then he went on and he would say things like, Jonah, take your right hand, let go of that rope and reach out in front of you and grab that other rope. And Jonah did. And then he said, good job, son. You're doing a great job. Now I know you're scared and I know that it's hard, but I, if I need you to take your right foot and move it from that platform and put it on the next platform. And Jonah did. And, and Luke kept encouraging him, son, you're doing great. You can do this. I see you and you can do this, but you're going to have to let go with your left hand now and reach out. And Jonah did. And one step at a time, Jonah followed his father's voice to a larger, more sturdier platform. And I have always remembered what I watched happen between those two on those rope, on that ropes course. And I remember that when I'm in those moments of being terrified, of being frozen in fear, of thinking, I don't know what to do right now, but I'm, I'm scared. And, I, and that process of starting with, God, I'm scared. And then trusting his voice to give us maybe not the whole picture. And, you know, one thing I think is funny. I don't know if you have ever watched American Ninja Warrior. So I have some in my house that love the show. And so, you know, they like swing all over the ropes. <laughs> and, you, you know... I, I think in that moment that Jonah would have much preferred for Luke to just go American Ninja Warrior up on the ropes course. Like, come on, swing over here, sweep me off my feet, and let's go to that safety of that next platform. And maybe Luke could have, I'm sure Luke feels really confident that he could have, but that's not what he did. Instead, it was his voice leading Jonah one step at a time. And I think that God, in those situations, when we turn to God and we say, God, I'm scared. He can absolutely, you know, swoop in and sweep us off our feet and and swing us to to safety. And sometimes he does. But I know in my life, more often what I find is, is that voice of my loving father who sees me 
and who leads me one step at a time on, you know, if you will, the ropes course of our life. Mm, I love that. And that, that is so tangible and practical and also super frustrating because (laughs) it's so good. I'm saying, but it also can, you know, just, you touched on it is this feeling that we have as women and men too, but we just want to get there and be done with it now. And like, we, we want to skip ahead and avoid that painful process of having to trust like inch by inch by inch what he's asking us to do. And that's just a scary, oftentimes not easy and or quick process. Yet that's where we grow that muscle of that trust when we actually continue those, just, just move your right foot, just move your left hand, just move. Like, I'm not asking you to jump across this mountain. I'm asking you to just do this, this thing, just do this. And then he'll give you the next. I love that. And you know, one thing, and it took me time to, to really come to the conclusion of what happened up there on that ropes course, because at first all I saw was the process of getting to that next platform, but, but he didn't get off the ropes course. He just got to the, the platform that was bigger and sturdier and felt more secure, but there was still a course in front of him that he would have to go through. And, and what was amazing to watch is that once he, by following his dad's voice and he made it to that bigger um, more secure platform, he, he got there, he looked back at where he had come from and then he took off without another word through the rest of the ropes course. And, and I, as I considered that, I thought, you know, that's really not that different than us, is it? You know, when, when God walks us through something, you, you said the word we grow. And I just think about if, if it had gone differently, would my son had, would he had been as confident to continue mm. through the rest of the course if he hadn't taken that one step at a time of following his father's voice. And I just, I just see that so parallel to what happens with me that as I follow God one step at a time, yes, I grow in faith and, and really I grow in confidence and in trust in him so that we can continue once we've gotten through that, we can, we can do the rest, right? Yes. Oh, that's good. That's so good. I love that. I'm thinking as you're talking and the whole study, again, she smells without fear. So helpful and tangible. I think that's why I love the book. It's not this idea. It's truly like me working through this and seeing it differently. But I, I almost am curious, how do you see the, like, is there a purpose to, of, for fear? Like, what would be the purpose of fear? Because this whole month in the Wife Like Me Collective, we're talking about purpose. It's sort of like, we're diving into it. We're under, we're unpacking it for ourselves personally and what our purpose is and just, you know, really diving into that word and all that it has. And so when we, we're thinking about fear, is there a purpose to fear? So I think that, you know, we can say the word fear and it can take so many different um, implications depending on your experience possibly 
And so, yes, I mean, fear has purpose in that it can keep us from things that will harm us. So if you are afraid of getting burned, then you don't put your hand in the fire. That's good, right? That is a purpose of fear that is good for us. And if you want to think about it spiritually, if we are afraid of the the consequences of sin, of the way that sin slips in and then consumes us, then that will keep us from playing with sin. That will keep us from getting as close to it as we can and hoping that we don't fall off the cliff, right? So I, in those ways, a positive thing in our lives because it can cause us to create appropriate and safe distance from things that will harm us. That's a good thing. The flip side of that is the debilitating fear that actually keeps us from our purpose because we are so distracted and eat and even consumed by what ifs and worst case scenarios, and what we are going to do to fix or arrange things that we are unwilling to follow God, where he leads or where he calls, or we're so distracted that we're unavailable to see what God is doing right in front of us and engage in those, in those purposes. So it can, it can do both for us. It can equip us in a great way so that we, we are fully available for God's purposes. And then it can also keep us from them if we allow it to distract and consume us. Mm, That's so true. I think we can all relate to that in many ways, probably. Um, And I think that when it comes to the purpose of fear, really, there's the, like, like you said, we have this option of either, you know, it's like a fork in the road, right? Like, what are we going to do with it? it? We can recognize that, man, this fear that is distracting me and keeping me from living presently with these people or enjoying what's going on around me or in front of me, you know, I can either ignore it. I can keep feeding it. I can keep, I don't know, looking at my phone and reading articles about what's going on in our nation or our world and all of that. Or I can, I can change that and I can allow fear to draw me toward the creator and, and tune into him. And that's the choice that we have. And we don't even always see it in the midst of it. Um, But that's why I love the book, because it really reminds us, hey, like this is not our only choice. Our only choice is not to be consumed with this right now when it's so easy to be consumed with it. And so it's refreshing and it's so needed. And as you were just talking to, I was thinking like the ability to control the, because that's really right. We, because we're afraid and there's so many unknowns and even insecurities, you know, myself included in the past specifically, and I still struggle with this is I will tend to then control, you know, my, my, um, my husband control our kids control what's going on around us. Like, you know, the, the schedule, how much 
my husband's feeding the kids or whatever. And I'm just curious, have you found that or how has fear maybe played a part in your marriage or family? Yes, so much. And and it's so subtle sometimes. It's sneaky. And I think that that's, um, I love that you touched on that because it's not always standing on a rope course screaming that I'm scared. Sometimes it's the rhythms of every day that we don't even recognize we're relying on what we think we can control. I, and, and I actually had this just in the last few days. Uh, we have six children. And so we, we buy in. <laughs> can we just round of applause right there? Every woman listening, Katie is like, that's awesome. I just threw that in there. Right. It's like, wait a minute, back up, back up. But we buy in bulk because I have that many. And so I had put in, you know, a, a huge order of the, the pantry things. And then we have an extra freezer so we can stock that. And, and then I did that just because that's kind of our normal process. But then we start hearing about this snowstorm that never happens down here. And then, you know, you, you hear about all of the unrest and, and are we going to quarantine again or are we not? And without even realizing it, I started to feel pretty good about myself and my ability to take care of my people and have everything taken care of. And then our power went out for two days. And so that freezer full of things that I had stocked all of a sudden was not a foolproof plan, right? And so I, I, I realized just how quickly I relied on myself and what I could control. And it took that, it took that power being out for two days and then me going, is all of that even going to be good? How long is our power going to be out? I can't control that. I've called the power company three times. <laughs> it's not helping, right? And so it was just a wake up call, a reminder to me that yes, our tendencies can be in our marriage. And I don't know that every woman struggles with this. I know I do. And I know it is something that it it isn't something that I, it was one and done. I recognized it. I laid it down and I've never picked it up again. <laughs> and I think a lot of times the motivation is love. The motivation is care. The, the motivation is these are the people that God has given us to serve and love and, and we want to do it well. And I think those are all great things, but ultimately I believe that God's grace is sufficient for me. And therefore, why wouldn't I believe that God's grace is sufficient for them? But one of the things I've just noticed is, is my desire to fix and arrange the future, not just for me, but for my husband and for my children. And, you know, fear is something I, I actually had a woman say this to me as she and I were going through the Bible study. And she said, you can pass on fear. And I thought about that and, and the patterns of our lives that we allow to be impacted by fear and how we don't even have to verbally or intentionally teach that to our children or tell it to our husbands. But if it is something that impacts our daily rhythms, we may very possibly pass it on 
without even realizing we are. So when we consider how fear impacts, it will impact our relationships. And I just described a simple way. There are some complicated ways that fear, the amount, uh, you know, we'll squeeze when we feel like there might be danger. We'll hold on really tight to that husband or to that children. It can go deep and it can cause a lot of tension in our relationships. But even beyond that, it can be a generational impact if we allow it to be. And that was something that, again, what I write about in the Bible study is, is what God has taught me. I'm not giving you thoughts that I think if you try this, I think it'll be good. (laughs) These are things that God has taught me as he's walked me through this process and just deciding, you know, I'd love to give my kids something else. I'd love to pass on another way to handle fear, fear instead of just allowing it to impact your life. Here are some tools for you when you are afraid, because I'm not going to pretend that your life won't encounter fears and fears of the future and what ifs and worst case scenarios. So let me equip you as you watch me handle mine. Mm, I love it. And that's why I love the message of this book. Oh, so good. One of the quotes from the book, it's on the back cover as well. I love it. It says, you can't change the future, but fear of the future can change you. And yeah, (laughs) We've all experienced that, whether it's just being paralyzed, like you said, or just being consumed with the thoughts and going through your day, but you're really not even present all across the board. But for the woman listening right now who, you know, is tired of the fear of the future and she hears what you're saying and she wants that, she wants to smile amidst that. She wants to laugh amidst that you know, how can she practically transfer the burden from her shoulders to God's? And, and I could say a lot right here, but here's what I want to tell you for the woman listening who you're, you're just, you're done. And I, I understand. I, I remember the day that I felt the same way and determined I can't live like this. And I don't want to keep living like this. And I would tell you the very first step is and, and I say this in the Bible study is to spend less time doing and more time being with Jesus, because while it seems a little bit counterproductive, because shouldn't I be planning? Shouldn't I be preparing? There's so much to do in, in, a, in a world of such uncertainty. The first thing I did was make a decision to spend more time in the word and even lingering with Jesus. So it wasn't, okay, I read my verse for the day and then let me get to it. It was, I'm going to open the word. I'm going to believe that God will meet me in his word. And then I'm going to sit here, even if it's for two minutes quietly, and I am going to let the word of God minister to my heart and, and wait to listen for what God may reveal in my heart and through his word. And I, I would just say that's your starting point because really here's the thing. The Bible study, she smiles without fear is not your answer. Jesus is your answer. And the Bible study is there to dig into the word of God, to help you pull out the truths of the word of God, to connect you closer to your savior. But 
your savior is your answer and he will lead you along the path that he has for you. And it may not be exactly like mine, but that's really the only place to begin. And, and you have to trust that he'll meet you there and you, you've just got to try it. <laughs> and it can seem like, oh, sure, that's going to make a difference. I, I know, I hear it because maybe you've tried. Maybe, and, I, and I will tell you, in, in the first week of the Bible study, we talk about this because, or maybe it's the second week, because to spend time with your father can be like, I've tried that. And every time I open the Bible, I land in Leviticus in the chapter about skin disease. And I don't know what to do with that, right? <laughs> And I get it because I've, I've experienced that too. So this isn't to make you feel like you've tried and failed and there's no hope for you. That's not what it is. I think the Bible study can be a great place to begin getting into the word. But if you don't have that in your hand and you're ready to start right now, open up and, and to the book of Psalms or to the gospel of John. Those are kind of safe places, if you will, to begin reading. And I would tell you, don't read for more than seven minutes. Don't think that the answer is to spend an hour and a half and then you're exhausted and you don't know if it, if it, it amounted to anything. It's just, it's just drawing near to God and, and he will meet you there. And so I just want to encourage you that, that he is your answer and, and really he is the only answer to your fears. And so it becomes prioritizing that and, even if every single day you don't walk away feeling completely different or feeling like you've had this major experience with the Lord, that's okay. It's really more of a practice. It's more of a, of a habit. It's more of something that you weave into the fibers of your life and prioritize into it. And then you'll begin to see that change. Oh, that's awesome. And thank you for that, Katie. If, if you're listening right now and you don't have a Bible, we send them out every week. You can email us info at a wife like me.com and we'll get you a Bible. Um, Katie, thank you so much. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your book and your study. Thank you that you are being obedient and that you've vulnerably shared that this is the place that you've gone. This is the place this, these are the places that God has brought you through that. And um, it's, it's just a gift to the readers um, to be able to walk with you through that. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Oh, I've been so blessed to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Katie. So good, right? She is a gem. And I'm telling you, if you want a Bible study to go through just yourself or with some of your friends and really lean in to the fear that we all experience. Don't you love that she said that, by the way? Like, let's just be honest. We all experience fear. If you just want to lean in and really grow in that fear muscle this year with God as you trust him with that very next small step, go and get her Bible study. Again, she smiles without fear. Proverbs 31 for every woman. We'll link it in the show notes. You can also head over to Katie's website where she is so much more. And you can follow her and, and read everything that she writes. Again, she writes for Proverbs 31 Ministries as well. Her website is Katie McCowan. 
com, And we'll link that in the show notes. Thank you so much, friend, for listening. If you want to hear more from us, go back, listen to other episodes, share them with friends to be an encouragement to them today. And we, again, are in the collective doing so much and really working to simplify your life so you can invest in what matters, your faith in God and the people right around you. So you can go over to collective.awifelikeme.com and join us over there. Friend, have an awesome day and we will be back next week.